Well, here we are, not in the same room. Once again, once again, here we are. This time it's my fault, though. (laughs) It's no one's fault. No, it's no one's fault. (laughs) Abigail got COVID in France. I did. I came back with a souvenir I didn't want. So (laughs) luckily, it's been very mild. I'm fine. I think everyone else is okay, too. My fiance managed to dodge it the entire time. So I'm really hoping that's true for everybody else. Luckily, I haven't had real symptoms for like three days. So now it's just the point where we're waiting it out and probably fine. Katie has the immune system of like a baby, though. So that's true. We're being we're very being careful. careful. <laughs> we're being careful. That's but. true. Yeah. If I, if if someone is sick, Katie is also going to be sick is kind of yes. the general rule. <laughs> that is what we have learned. Yeah. So even though I have reached the, um, you know, whatever yeah. the CDC says at this point, we're being careful. But Yeah. Yeah. Because I leave, as we're recording this, I leave for New Orleans in like two days. And that is a very expensive, non-refundable hotel room. So, <laughs> yes, I'm not going to be the one to give Katie COVID. If yeah. somebody else does, it's not on me. Exactly. So. If I get it in New Orleans, so be it. That's fine it, with me. That's kind of how I felt this time. I was like, well, it's been a while since I had it. You know, I'm not too surprised. It is yeah. what it is. It's so funny, too, because when the tour director was picking up me in Austin from the airport one of the first things she said to us was I had 30 people on my last trip get it they're dropping like flies and I was just oh, like no. oh okay cool <laughs> uh great um <laughs> well this is the first time we've actually had a conversation since you got back so I don't want to derail this entire episode with how was France because that's like a conversation over drinks for a later date. I know. But, but for the people, how was France? The the TLDR version. The TLDR version is France was great, but it was definitely work. Uh, for those who maybe didn't understand when we were talking about it last, um, I went on a work trip with my fiance and we were kind of hosting. So I work for an alumni association and they organize these trips. And if there are enough people that go on them, they send a host. So we were on a river cruise um, where the average age of everyone there was probably about 65. It was very fun. Everyone was very lovely. We saw basically the entirety of Normandy, which I'm an idiot. And I thought it was one city in France. Turns out it's like a state. So I'm a dumbass, but uh, that's, that's news to me. So okay, everyone else <laughs> I've told that to has been like, "Well, that's news." And so geography is not my not my strong suit. Geography and history, like I like history. I just don't. I don't. The facts slip right through my brain. But we saw. We saw a lot of things. We it was very much a go 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 sort of trip. I didn't cry out of homesickness until the fifth day, which was. That's pretty good. It was pretty good. And I was just very, very tired. It was a lot of fun, but it was very much one of those trips where it's like, go, 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 go. Very similar to you and the Galapagos, where it's like you wake up and you immediately go on an excursion. Then you come back and you have lunch and then you go on another one. And then you get back to the boat in the evening and there's lectures and then you have dinner and dinner lasts like two and a half hours and then you go to bed. So it was like that for like seven days straight, which makes me a little crazy. I'm not very well traveled. And so this is my first time in Europe. This is my first time like 
out of the country for a long period of time. When I've gone out of the country, it's just been to Mexico. And when you live in Texas, it kind of almost doesn't count because it's right. just right there. It's like going to another state. Like everybody who lives in Texas has gone to Mexico at some point. And so this one was very much just like I I was less prepared for it than I think I thought I was. And so mm. Austin was like the one night I cried, <laughs> which <laughs> again, I lasted longer than I thought I would. But the night I cried, it was when it, it was after we did all the D-Day tour stuff, which was really amazing and really emotional. And I'm really glad I got to do that. Like we went to the National Cemetery and Omaha Beach and then a museum nearby. And it was really amazing. And I really like World War II history, so that was really cool um, to kind of go to all these places and see it. And then we were docked in this little village, and Austin wanted to get off and, like, walk around after dinner. And I was like, okay, cool, but, like, I'm, I'm not going to last very long. I'm really tired. And then we sat down at a cafe, and he kind of does what he does here at home, which is, like, <laughs> we're going to stay for one drink. And then it turns into, like, drink and, like, three dishes. And I'm right. just like, I have to go to bed. And then... So, yeah, that was the night I cried because <laughs> I just wanted to be home and I missed the dogs and I missed yeah. my routine and I missed not feeling like full because uh, all the meals were fucking huge. So, right. You know. Right. It's like sensory overload being on those types of trips too, where it's just like there's like so much stimulation in like every single way. It was just like constant and like constant socialization. And I am introverted in a lot of ways where I definitely need like alone time to recharge or at least like sit quietly in a room with like one other person and we don't talk. Like mm -hmm. have what what is it on your vacation when you have phone time with your friends? Like right. you don't get phone time uh, to like scroll through Twitter or whatever and not talk to each other. And it was really great and everyone was lovely, but it was definitely overstimulating at times. I learned a lot, um, but I look forward to going back. I, I feel great that I got to like see a bunch of big things in France. And so mm -hmm. hopefully when I eventually go back, then it can just be more of a chill like, oh, we stay here for a couple of days and like I don't have to get up at 6.30 in the morning every day. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every trip you go on now is going to be like like different in perspective. I feel like that's how I feel having gone to the Galapagos is like it's changed my mindset on on vacations. I can't wait to hear more about the trip when we are not recording a podcast and have to be mindful of other people's time. Yes, I very much look forward to um, being able to talk about it more um so. so so yeah so we reread the unhoneymooners which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you will know that this is one of the ones we always talk about always recommend it's also our friendship origin story because i lent this book to abigail um back when we were were baby friends and baby friends and i i suppose i i credit it as part of the reason we became real friends because we really started talking about books and stuff like that more after so so it's a big part of our friendship origin story and neither of us had reread this book which Abigail you're a rereader I am only recently becoming a rereader um, but this was our first time rereading it since we initially read it and I initially read it like right when it came out so like 2018 or 2019 or whenever that was mm -hmm. um, and so yeah it was it was sort of for me like reading it for the first time like obviously as plot things would unfold, I would be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, this happened. But it still felt very, like, new and fresh, especially some of the details. 
Yeah, yeah. I was reminded of some things I had definitely forgotten about, which I usually have an extremely painfully good memory to where I remember, one, every single thing that has ever happened to me. And then, two, when I do reread a book, it is not to refresh anything. It is just for the enjoyment of, I remember this book and I really liked it. Like right. I will remember specific lines from a book. And if I skim past it on the page, I will go back and reread it because I know I missed a certain line. I'm an annoying rereader. It's it's really <laughs> obnoxious. But this one, it had been a while since I had reread it. I maybe reread it once after that initial read, but I think it mm. had been at least like two and a half years. So it had been a while. And yeah, um, I was very happy to see that it held up in different ways, but I was also surprised by how some of my opinions like changed a little bit from the first time I read it of like, now I'm a more experienced romance reader, I guess. So, Oh, I'm interested to hear what those reasons are. We can, we can get yeah. to that at the end. Um, yeah. So should I read the blurb? Yes, read the blurb. This is, again, The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren. Olive is always unlucky in her career, in love, in, well, everything. Her identical twin sister, Amy, on the other hand, is probably the luckiest person in the world. Her meet-cute with her fiancé is something out of a romantic comedy, parentheses, gag, and she's, managed to, <laughs> and she's managed to finance her entire wedding by winning a series of internet contests, parentheses, double gag. <laughs> it's a great blurb. I haven't read this blurb in a long time. I don't think I've ever read it. Worst of all, she's forcing Olive to spend the day with her sworn enemy, Ethan, who just happens to be the best man. Olive braces herself to get through 24 hours of wedding hell before she can return to her comfortable, unlucky life. But when the entire wedding party gets food poisoning from eating bad shellfish, the only people who aren't affected are Olive and Ethan. And now there's an all-expenses-paid honeymoon in Hawaii up for grabs. Putting their mutual hatred aside for the sake of a free vacation, Olive and Ethan head for paradise, determined to avoid each other at all costs. But when Olive runs into her future boss, the little white lie she tells him is suddenly at risk to become a whole lot bigger. She and Ethan now have to pretend to be loving newlyweds, and her luck seems worse than ever. But the weird thing is that she doesn't mind playing pretend. In fact, she feels kind of lucky. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so... This book, for one thing, I forgot how many – there's, like, so many small plot things that happen in this book that I forgot about how many little just, like, funny side things happen. Yeah, there are, there are, little, there are a lot of little side adventures going on. So the book opens, which this book almost feels, like, tailor-made for us in a lot of ways of, like, one, right. it starts with a wedding. Everyone knows I love a wedding. Two, it's enemies to lovers. We love enemies to lovers. We've got an only one bed. We've, We've got, got a vacation. Lot. We've got a vacation. We've yeah. got a lot of Harry Potter references. A lot of Harry Potter. That was the thing that, that was the first note that I took. Like when I was making our outline for today, I look. I was looking at my iPhone notes and that was the first thing I said was like, there are way more Harry Potter references in this book than I remember. <laughs> we got a Death Cab for Cutie reference, which is my forever band and I do remember it being in this book, but it yeah. was kind of a, like a jump scare almost when it came up again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it was it was very funny. So, so like you said, the book starts with Amy's wedding. So the the twin sister of our main character, Olive, at the tackiest wedding uh-huh. <laughs> that has ever existed. Because they say at one point. Amy has spent maybe a total of $1,000 on this wedding because everything else she got for free or won, 
Somehow, I don't know, it was stressing me out reading about this wedding this time. As somebody who is currently planning a wedding, I remember the first time I read this being like, haha, that's so funny. Wow, I can't believe she got like a free wedding. And then reading it now, I'm like, girl, this yeah. is the worst thing I've ever read. This is my nightmare. Yeah, is, there's there the, the book starts with Olive squeezing herself into what I imagine as like an extremely highlighter lime green <laughs> bridesmaid dress. We know that it's like bright green, but I don't think the specific like shade of green is ever like really really said or maybe I've already forgotten but in my mind it's like a very very lime green the two descriptions of it I remembered are the pelt of Kermit and but satin and Mm. then also um they keep calling her skittle so there's one (laughs) yeah so that's why I went kind of lime green in my head because like a, a green skittle is pretty pretty green yeah um but yeah so that's how the book starts which yes. is hilarious and we're not at the wedding for very long really no. it's just like i don't know a couple couple chapters if that but basically there's a shellfish buffet which who would serve a shellfish buffet at a wedding especially when your twin sister has a shellfish allergy <laughs> yes just spend the money but yeah. also i know feeding people is fucking expensive so you know what if i maybe won the food i probably wouldn't pass that one up but also shellfish in a buffet is horrifying yeah i'm just Don't picturing do it being very like cruise ship buffet which yes yeah. <laughs> uh-uh uh-uh I don't and believe I like in... shellfish. I love seafood. I would oh. not eat this shellfish buffet. <laughs> I kind of pictured like crab legs at a Chinese buffet at points where, you know, they're just kind of like <laughs> sitting there <laughs> next no, to the low main. Yeah, I was picturing it in like just like crab legs in ice kind of moment. It's not it doesn't sound sanitary. So Olive mm-hmm. and Ethan both get chicken from the kitchen. Olive because She's allergic to shellfish. Ethan, Ethan because, because he doesn't eat buffet. <laughs> yes. It turns out they're both correct in this choice because at the wedding, everyone gets violently ill. Literally, Literally at the wedding. <laughs> vomiting on each other. <laughs> I forgot how vivid some of the descriptions are. Yes. Dane, Amy's fiance, quite literally vomits on her dress. Um, I was so stressed out reading about this. Yeah. And it turns out it wasn't even like back to it was like a toxin where it, they, they name it. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to even try to say it. Yeah, but. there was something there was something in the shellfish. Basically, it wasn't like a bacteria thing or whatever on the buffet. It was like there was something wrong with the actual fish. food. Yeah. yeah. But take this as a warning. No one should sh- serve shellfish buffet anyway. Please yeah. don't do that at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, good a good life lesson. So so pretty quickly after that, well for one thing, Olive like interacts with Ethan who she is convinced hates her because he's behaved like he hates her. Mm-hmm. Um in the years that they've known each other, Ethan is Dane's brother, so the the groom's brother essentially. Um and I I guess Amy and Dane were supposed to leave. This was the type of honeymoon where they were leaving like immediately after the wedding to go on this honeymoon. Um, and they, of course, can't go because they're all dying. Yes. Um, and so Olive, being Amy's twin sister, Amy's like, well, you have to go. This is really easy. You can just say that you're me. Um, and then 
for her plus one, she only had to put the last name down. And all obviously, Ethan and Dane have the same last name because they're brothers. So that's how these two wind up on a romantic trip to Maui. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's fine. Sending your twin sister in your place makes sense, but the giving of the last name only of the plus one, I don't know about all that, but... Yeah, whatever. We're we're getting there. Because as someone who booked a resort honeymoon, they want full names of both of you because they like to write you cute little notes and shit like that when you do that, so... Whatever. Um, anyway, but they get they get they get to Maui. Um, Ethan's terrified of planes. <laughs> which Relatable. Is, yeah, he has like a panic attack on the plane. Um, They've booked like Spirit Airlines to yeah. Maui, which they mention in the book is an eight-hour flight, which is not something I would have realized had they not said it out loud. I just always assume any flight domestically is three hours, which is not true. An eight-hour flight on a Spirit jet is my worst nightmare so ethan's going through it before they're even on this vacation and yeah there are a lot of little small things but that's that's kind of the gist of the first part and how they get thrust together essentially also olive is a bad liar yes yeah which this whole trip hinges on her being able to lie which she can't so she's acting like a maniac, trying to play off that she's Amy and that they're married. And they just kind of assume that they're just going to have to do it while they're like checking in. And then they can kind of like go their separate ways and do whatever they want. And that's kind of how it goes for like three hours. Mm-hmm. So Olive goes to get a massage. And as she's leaving, the massage therapist comes out and is like, oh my gosh, Miss Thomas, you forgot your ring. Literally the moment that she's running into who is about to be her boss. Yeah, she just got a new job and the guy who hired her also happens to be at this resort, of course. What are the odds? And this is the only time I've never had trouble picturing a character because they say he looks like Sam Elliott. Right, it's perfect. giant mustache. So He sounds so lovely. He does, but I also hate him for reasons we will talk about later. Yes, so, so the as the massage therapist is coming out and giving her back her ring, as she's talking to her soon-to-be boss and his wife, who are there on their 30th wedding anniversary, how lovely, um, she doesn't want to say something in front of the massage therapist because she doesn't want them to like report her for resort fraud or whatever. And so she has to play off that she just got married to... This guy who has never heard her talk about being engaged or, you know, anything, um, which is not, I, I don't know. I haven't done that many job interviews, but, like, that doesn't just come up all the time, I guess. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. The fact that he doesn't know about this doesn't feel like too much of a stretch. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she panics and, and has to lie, basically. Um which, like, is maybe also what I would have done in this scenario. I certainly would have done it in front of the massage therapist. And then as soon as she left, had been like, hey, I didn't just get married. Right. Um, please yeah. don't tell them. Here's what happened. Crazy thing. Everyone is vomiting back home. Um, but here I am. Don't don't report me, please. Yeah. But she also emphasizes that this guy, 
this is real into like honesty and integrity and yeah, like shit we're a like family that. here kind of stuff at yeah, this well, job. Whatever, sure. Yeah, fine. Um, yeah, but he invites her and Ethan to dinner because yeah. he thinks they just got married. And thankfully, and- Ethan is super smooth and is a good liar. Yes. So they go along with it and they go to dinner and everything goes swimmingly they fall in love with ethan they ask how they had first met and ethan tells a story of like the third time that they met and specifically the real a real real story story. yeah yeah you know plays it off like like that is when they first met but makes a comment about like the shirt olive was wearing and she's like how does he remember that because it was a stupid shirt with like a science pun on it Mm -hmm. so that's when she's first like maybe this guy doesn't hate me as much as he pretends he does what's going on also, yeah, I, yeah, she's. Suspicious. I kind of like his arm around me. This is kind of nice. I don't hate this. Mm-hmm. What's going on? So they get through dinner, and it's lovely. Uh, <laughs> they seem to make Ethan want to join their like swingers group. That is the spouses club at this company. Yeah, I'm not so sure about <laughs> about the spouses, the, the spouses group. <laughs> she like the wife goes up to him and is like, "We have a lot of fun." Wink, wink, wink. And yeah. What What is a spouse's club, for one thing? Does Ryan's work have a spouse's club? What does that mean? No, I'm never invited to anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> whatever. Okay, sure. But it sounds like they swing. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, do- it does sound like they swing. As they're leaving the dinner, who else do they run into? <laughs> His ex. Yes. And her new fiancé, who looks like Norman Reedus. <laughs> Some... <laughs> Some really great celebrity uh, lookalike callbacks here. A greasier Norman Reedus is what Olive describes Billy, the new fiance of Sophie, who broke Ethan's heart like six months prior. Mm-hmm. So they also lie to her that they just got married. So now they have to continue with this fake dating scenario, even though Olive's boss is like leaving the next day and they were about to be scot free. This- right. Sophie and greasy Daryl Dixon are here now. So, yeah. So then what happens for like a lot of the middle stretch of the book is just all the shenanigans that come along with being at an all inclusive resort that your ex is at, which means, of course, everything they do, they end up with or around Ethan's ex. Uh, the first thing being snooba, which is apparently a combination of snorkeling and scuba diving sure never heard whatever yeah so they decide to go on this excursion because you know that's a thing you can do on all-inclusive resorts you can book these little day long things or whatever and they kind of had this original plan that they were just going to do what each of them wanted to do but it so happens that they both wanted to snooba um so they do this and who is in the van to go to the boat to snooba but obviously sophie and her greasy man um so they end up on this like tiny little boat um with ethan's ex so they have to continue to be very like flirty and touchy and at one point olive is sitting in ethan's lap and she's like oh i actually this is okay (laughs) yeah this guy's muscly hmm interesting fascinating yeah and i is this the part where Sophie and 
uh, and her fiance start just like wildly making out on the boat. I I think that's their section. Like always making out. They're making out in the bus on the way to the boat. They're making out on the boat. This is also where we find out where Sophie met him, which is in the aisle of a grocery store where he's the manager. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was stocking school supplies. <laughs> it's all a little weird. It's a lot. There's a lot going on there, but. They get through their snooba-ing. They actually have some nice moments snooba-ing together. And then mm-hmm. they go have to they have to go change clothes in the bathroom together. <laughs> Shenanigans continue to ensue. They trip on each other and land on top of each other naked because of course. Like, uh, obviously. That, yeah. That has to happen. Of course. So you know. That they get through it though. They get through yes. it, they get home. I think that is it the next day that they go paintballing yeah it's shortly after that because they wake up one day whether it's the next day or like soon thereafter it's raining and so they're like what the hell can we do in the rain and i guess paintball is one of those things not what i would pick not at all no no i have not played paintball since i was like 16 years old nor will i ever do it again (laughs) i have never gone to paintball and this is not the time you're gonna force me to do it one i don't like to do things i'm bad at two it's fucking raining i'm not going outside Right. In the mud. Yeah. Gross. Exactly. But but Olive is like, I can't just like sit in this hotel room with this man. Like we have to do something because now there's all this like burgeoning sexual tension, of course. Yes. So they go play paintball, which is chaos. They're on the same team too. So part of the part of it was Olive wanted to shoot Ethan in the groin. Uh that didn't work out for them, but that's no. okay. Yeah, so they have kind of this, like, funny day together. Um, And then I can't remember if it's that day or the next day that they go to Mai Tais. It is the next day because after they go paintballing, they get these fucking excursions or whatever, these couples things. They get forced to massage each other. Oh, right. That's right. So they sign up for, like, a couples massage after paintballing because they're like, wow, that fucking hurt. I'm in a lot of pain so they go to get a massage and they're like we don't even care that it's a couple's massage we're gonna be whatever we're gonna be on the tables together who cares it's fine it's worth it and then they get there and they're like actually we're gonna teach you guys to massage each other which what a fucking ripoff i would be mad if i showed up even with my fiance i would be so mad <laughs> no i didn't want to work absolutely not even if it was if even if i was not fake dating somebody at that point and i had signed up for a couple's massage and i have to I have to massage? No. Absolutely so, not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I'd be mad. Agreed. But Ethan massages Olive. She enjoys it. It's even more sexual tension. And then the next day, they're like, hey, we don't really hate each other. Let's let's hang out. Let's hang out. And so they decide to rent a car and drive up the coast. And this is where we get our death cap needle drop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which... I was trying to think of what song they're listening to, and it is almost certainly Soul Meets Body, which is not a deep cut whatsoever, but it is a great driving song. So there's there's my take on that. Um, but they end the night where Ethan's like, I want to get drunk. Yeah, <laughs> just like, out of the blue. He's like, I'm going to get fucking wasted tonight. Do you want to? And Olive's like, not really, but like, I support you. <laughs> yeah, which one I'm like, why don't they just go back to the resort so they can both drink? Right. But they don't. They go to, I think it's called Cheeseburger Maui's. Yeah, something like that. Basically a Margaritaville, in my mind. 
Um, yeah, that's how I was picturing it too. And they have $1.99 Mai Tais, which sounds very dangerous and also like I'm going to throw up. <laughs> it sounds like bright red gasoline, um, but yes. I would drink them. So yep. that's fine. You know, you're you're going to get me on something that's $2. That's how life is. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So Ethan gets very, very drunk, makes friends with everyone in the restaurant. Um, a friendly drunk. We love a friendly drunk. I love it. But then he starts getting like a little like sappy with Olive and Olive's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why are you acting so weird? Yes. He starts to kind of make little comments of like, I don't, I've never hated you or what, like very leading comments of what's going on. And then all of their sexual tension has now built up to where Ethan drunkenly kisses her in their Mm -hmm. hotel room. Yes. And, and it's all it's all very hot. Yes. Um, and then they sleep together in bed. Now, they don't sleep together, but they sleep next to each other. They sleep in the same bed because at this point, they um, Olive has been sleeping in the bed and Ethan has been sleeping like on the couch in their suite. And Olive's like, oh, he's so drunk. Like he needs a comfortable bed. Like it's fine. We'll just both sleep in the bed. Yeah, and so they, like, cuddle and stuff. Also, this is at page 220. We both read print copies, didn't we? Yes, yeah. I forgot to do the math, but it's page 220 out of 400, so not far off of 50%. Just about, just yeah. about. You're pretty close. I can't do the math in my head. It sounds yeah, about 50%. Yeah, it's probably, like, 51, <laughs> honestly. Whatever. Who cares? Anyway. Um. But, okay, so at what point, you're going to have to remind me, at what point does Olive start to suspect that it's Dane planning the vacations? Was it during the Mai Tais? No. Well, they- It was all around the same time. Yeah. So when they're at the restaurant, they have a little conversation about, like, why Olive dislikes him so much or whatever. Mm. And Olive keeps hanging on to this- well, no, this isn't when they have the detailed conversation. They kind of have the same conversation multiple times. Yeah. At the Mai Tais, they have one about, like, Amy likes you. She just doesn't like that you always whisk Dane off on these trips, like, during Valentine's Day or their anniversary or whatever. And Ethan kind of looks a little confused, but he doesn't really say anything, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And, and then so- later on is when he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Dane was planning those vacations, not yeah. me. So the very next day after they kiss, Ethan is obviously like violently hungover, as one would be after drinking a million $2 Mai Tais. Uh, He's acting kind of short with her, and Olive's getting a little upset where she's like, why did did we kiss last night then? And Mm -hmm. so then they also have this conversation where... uh, Oh, so she brings him back. This is kind of what starts it all. So she brings him back a fruit plate. Because she went down to eat without him because he fucking wouldn't get up, which I would do the same. And so she brings him back up a fruit plate from not the buffet, the kitchen. She orders yeah, she, a she, orders, she orders a special plate for him. Yeah, and it has mango on it. And he sa- he starts laughing and he's like, oh, I remember that girl Trinity that Dane used to date who had a mango tattoo on her ass. And oh, that's right. This is, it, which is so funny that this is what triggers everything. Um and he says something like, oh, a couple years ago. And Olive's like, what? What do you mean a couple years ago? He was dating Amy. And she kind of pulls a power move on him and is like very casual. And she's like, oh, when, when, when were they dating? And Ethan's like, you know, a couple years ago before 
he and Amy were super exclusive. And Olive's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. When when did they start getting like truly exclusive? Right before they got engaged. And Ethan's like, yeah. And Olive's like, I've got you. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. They were always exclusive. What do you mean? And so then it kind of like goes into this argument where Olive's like, I knew Dane was a piece of shit and not just a gross frat boy. What's going on? And Yeah. And Ethan's like very understand, like kind of adorably like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, Olive. Like, this is just what happened. Like, he's not he's not a liar. He's not like he's doing the very reasonable brother thing and being like, what are you talking about? Like, I believe him. He's my brother. Um, And of course, Olive's being like, what are you talking about? I believe her. She's my sister. And so they're just like. This is like one of the only romance novels where the conflict actually makes like a ton of sense. Yeah. It's like they both have sibling loyalty. And then so it does make sense. Like you don't want to believe the worst out of your brother, even if he is a gross frat boy man. But when they're arguing about this, Ethan drops a little tidbit that he had wanted to ask Olive out. And Dane Mm -hmm. told him, no, don't Mm -hmm. do it. And that. Olive hates everybody and she's super bitter and whatnot, which like fucking asshole. Don't say that about somebody. I know. This made me mad. Me as somebody too. Who, as somebody who kind of is like cynical maybe and does maybe put off some very bitchy uh, energy sometimes. Um, I got really upset at this. <laughs> Way more upset yeah. than I was the first time I read this book. I agree. I feel like you and I are similar in that we're not always like great on a first impression. Like you, you gotta, we're, you gotta kind of warm up a little bit sometimes to, or like we both can say one thing that we're both like, oh fuck, we should like, I shouldn't have said that. Like that was taken the wrong way. Like, yeah, like that's, so I feel like this is something that could easily be said about either of us, which is what makes me really, really annoyed about it. I got really worked. I feel like the best the best example for me of I will say shit that I just don't think about that I would say to anybody, but I come back and I'm like, oh, I was a fucking asshole. Like mm-hmm. me and Austin's first date, he loves this story. He picked me up and I used to live off of uh, Enfield, which is a pretty busy part of Austin. And... He uh, mentioned, he's like, oh, I've driven past your apartment before. And I go, yeah, it's a busy road. And (laughs) didn't think for a second about it. And then a few months later, when he told me that story, he was like, so I thought our date was not going very well. And I was like, I didn't think about that at all. Um, See, that's so funny because that's totally what I would have said. And even you just telling me the story, I'm like, yeah, it is a busy road. Yeah. (laughs) He was just making small talk. So anyway, so. Yeah. (laughs) The short answer is Abigail and I can relate to Olive, who maybe does not always give a good first impression. And so we both felt very defensive of her. If you meet us in real life, I promise we're nice. We just might say something wrong. We just have social anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) We speak without thinking often. (laughs) We should put we should put in work with that. Will we? No, we won't. But there's no filter. I don't have it. Uh, It's fine. It's fine. We're I moving just past. Don't it. Have one. <laughs> no. Um, if it's in my brain, it comes out of my mouth. There's nothing, nothing stopping it. Nope. Too bad. Anyway. Um. So so yeah. So they're fighting and like kind of revealing. Like Ethan's revealing that he wanted to ask her out. Olive's like, well, that's probably fucking because Dane didn't want like you to blow up his spot, and he knew that you would if we dated. And so they're just like going back. And forth 
about this um, where it doesn't really go anywhere because they're both just defending their sibling, which, again, completely makes sense. So Olive kicks Ethan out and she's like, "Okay, I'm not going to call Amy, but I'm going to deal with this later. But I'm not going to call her. Don't worry. Whatever. And Ethan comes back and they talk. And finally, they're like, Olive is like, do you remember we kissed last night? And he's like, yeah. And then they go back. And then they do it. They do it at page. It's literally 12 pages after they kiss. (laughs) Why not? Why not? There's no waiting. There's no waiting. And he has some extremely sexy dialogue here that. Like what he he was like after Olive reminded him of the kiss, he was like, Of course I remember it was the kind of kiss that feels like fucking and I was like, Whoa, okay. Woof. Yeah, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like zero to one hundred and I was like, Okay, Ethan. Yeah. So they do it. And then it gets a lot easier to uh fake or fake a marriage after you have sex with somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but then not long after that, like, you, the trip ends, like, really abruptly. Like, yeah. like very soon after that. Like, it's a 10-day trip, and they it kind of just zooms through it yeah, once they're they, together. They go to the volcano, and they have a very romantic moment, and they kind of have mm-hmm. a conversation of, like, is this a fling, or do you want to, like, do this some more when they get home, when we get home, and... They're both like, yeah, like, let's see where this goes. We'll figure out how to tell Dane and Amy that now we're dating, which I thought it was going to be kind of a, I don't, I don't know how I would feel about this in real life, I guess, but it's twins dating brothers. It does happen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it does happen. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of weird, but they seem not concerned about it. So they, yeah. they, they become sort of, you know, like, quote unquote, official after this volcano trip. yeah. So, and even on the on the trip, Sophie, like, tries to get drinks with him, and he's like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. So, like, they leave the trip in very, on a very good note of, like, Olive's excited to, like, start her job. She's got a new boyfriend. And then they get off the plane, <laughs> and they're like, hey, let's just sit for a day, and, like, we'll figure out how to tell them later. And then who's there to pick them up but Dane and Amy, who have just and seen them. And sees them kissing. Yep. Like, make out and baggage claim. And Amy's kind of like, what the fuck? You guys hated each other. And, <laughs> and they were like, not really. <laughs> not, it turns out we did it. Uh, yeah. Dane looks shocked and upset for a second and then plays it off like he's so happy. And Amy, or Amy, Olive clocks it and is like, something's still going on. I'm still going to deal with this. I, I'm remembering. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so really, I, my like initial reaction, and I think I even texted you this was I forgot that this book leaves Maui so early because it's really yeah. like the last like third of the book yeah. that happens after the trip. And in my head, in my memory of reading this book, I was like, oh, the whole thing is in Hawaii, like for the most part, but it's not. Yeah. Um. So that was one thing upon rereading that I was like, oh right, like I forget that like the the trip is only like a big section of the book not like the majority of it right yeah i had forgotten that too and that we do have so much that happens like after they get home so which makes they, sense with yeah. like all like all the different moving parts or whatever like i think christina lauren could have easily um 
made this book where like they spend the full book in Maui and then at the end of the trip they're in love and live and then you know have a fight about the brother sister thing resolve it move on like I think it is that easily could have happened but I think this way makes it a lot more interesting yeah I agree so they have like their couple days where they're just like happy and in love and they're all staying at Olive's apartment because they're both homebodies, which, wow, what a mood, same. Yeah, they're like ordering takeout and having sex and being all cute. Truly, truly the uh, the pinnacle of relationship. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Er- early relationship when it's just that, like it's just very much they're in their little honeymoon period together. Yes, it's very cute. And so Olive goes to the first day at her new job, and And this is fucking infuriating. I know. Basically, her boss, the one that she ran into in Hawaii, is like, hey, so we're, like, big on, like, values here, and I don't really like that you lied because she fesses up. Yeah, she fesses up, like, immediately. He, like, calls her, or she runs into him, and he's like, oh, I hope you and Ethan are doing great or whatever, and she, like, pulls him aside and was like, hey... Like, I'm so sorry. This is, like, not how it was. You know, this is actually what happened and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. And then he calls her into his office later and he fucking fires her. Yeah. And he's, like, he's like not even that mad about the, like, free trip steal- like, stealing. It's, like, you sat with me at dinner for hours and, like, led me to believe something that wasn't true, which, like, I can kind of, like, I would be very personally upset if someone did that to me but is that a fireable offense i don't know like no your personal life yeah exactly like just because someone's like a a morally questionable person doesn't mean they can't do a job also that she fessed up to it like the first day she could have kept it going or something but even when she fessed up to him too she was like Here's what happened, but Ethan and I are now dating, and I really think it was that dinner that, like, really helped. Kind of, right. Like, not buttering him up, but also, like, you know. This Being like, it wasn't all bad. Yeah. And still, he fucking fires her, which is batshit insane. And so. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can see why he's so upset, because I would be, too. Like, if someone did this to me, I would be like, I don't really know if I super trust you. Um and like we're gonna have to work on that but like i don't i don't know that that has nothing to do with her job i I mean unless you're in a job where you unless you're like a like you work at like a fucking church or something or like with children or you know something like that i don't think like that kind of behavior has anything to do with your job but i'm trying to think of what i would do if if i was in this situation and honestly, I think it would just, I would think it's really funny and be like, okay, that's really weird, but welcome to the company. Right. <laughs> I'll talk to I, you some more later. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely feel a little sketched out and be like, okay, yeah, I'm not super sure if I trust you. I think you might be a little off your rocker, um, but let's just see how this shakes out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll see if you do something weird again later, but also. Right. I think um, I would like have my eye on that person and be like, let's just. See if anything weird go like that was outside of work. If anything weird goes down at work, and and maybe I would say that. Maybe I'd be like, "Look, that's your own personal life." But if you pull any weird shit here, you're out. You know, yeah. like I think that's probably how I would handle it. I don't know. I don't know. This is not a situation we will find ourselves in probably ever. So, 
Doesn't matter. No, no. My my college students get into weird shenanigans, but nothing like this. Not being fake married in front of you? Yeah. No. 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 Not. <laughs> I've caught them in some lies, but it's usually about why they haven't done something. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, basically, after this, like, Olive is, like, hella depressed <laughs> for good yeah. reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like going, because she was really looking forward to this job. She'd been unemployed for a couple months, and she's very passionate about this company's like flu vaccine or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, she works sure. in some sort of like healthcare adjacent sciency thing. Yeah, whatever. But she goes out to drinks with um, Ethan and Dane and Amy, but Amy's not there yet, and so Ethan, Dane, and Olive are kind of all hanging out. Olive is getting progressively more annoyed with Dane because he's just being his douchey self. And Ethan gets up to go to the bathroom. And while Ethan is gone, Dane starts talking to her. And they both kind of, like, look at each other like, I know you know something. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We're going to... Olive is still like, I'm going to let it go. You know, the Amy's smart. Maybe maybe they did have an open relationship and she just didn't tell me, you know, we're very close. I find that hard to believe, but, you know, th- I'm going to stay out of it. I haven't seen anything concrete. Right. And, like, I feel like if you're in this scenario, you just want to believe the the best in everyone. Like, you don't want to think that your sister is, like, now married to this, like, evil person. Like, Right. And then while Ethan is in the bathroom, Dane is like hey, y'all are twins if you ever want to mix it up. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so, which, <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. So it's like the first concrete proof that Dane is an asshole. And then Olive tries to tell Ethan about this and Ethan does not believe her. He's like, you misheard him, whatever. This is like after she left the restaurant. Like this is all later on mm-hmm. and they're arguing about it. And, like, Ethan just keeps keeps being like, I'm sure you misunderstood. Like, I'm sure that's not true. And basically, Olive is just like, at what point are you going to, like, believe me that I'm telling the truth? Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. And then they break up, basically. Which, like, I wrote again in my notes, like we mentioned earlier, this is, like, a very reasonable, like, conflict. This is a reasonable third act fight, which not many of them are. Most of them are, like, so fucking dumb. But this one is, like completely something that other than like the bizarre shenanigans of like the mixed up honeymoon and the twin thing and the swapped identity thing like <laughs> like this is like a real like life thing that could happen yes like fights about each other's family is unfortunately like such a real thing sometimes and this yeah this one is very realistic of like yeah your brother fucking sucks but like, you can't necessarily do anything about it. But also now it's affecting my sister. So mm-hmm. how are we going to deal with this? And Ethan is just thinking that Olive just wants to see the worst in everybody. When Olive goes to tell Amy what happened, Amy pulls the same thing where she's like, why can't you just see it? Like, yeah, like, I don't think it was anything. Why can't? Why are you always going to the worst case scenario? Yeah, she's like, you've always been so negative. Why are you like this? Which this was the one part that I was like, why does everyone think Olive is this way? Because, like, that wasn't, like, super fleshed out early on. Like, I feel like we didn't really see Olive being like that. We were just, like, told that she was like that by these other characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. Like, I was kind of confused of just, like, why is everyone shitting on her so much about, like, seeing the worst in every situation? And it's kind of like, well, Olive has been dealt, like, not a great hand at times. So Right, right. But also, like, why would she make this up? Or, like, why would she lie? Or, you know, why would she want this to be true? I don't know. But also, people don't always see what they're supposed to. So, Right, right. So... Yeah, I, I think everyone in this situation, other than Dane, is yeah. acting completely reasonably. Like, right. of course, Ethan's going to defend his brother. Of course, Olive is going to defend her sister. And of course, Amy's going to defend her husband. Like, obviously. Yeah, it's um, just complicated, but it is reasonable. Yeah, exactly. And so then there's basically Olive trying to get her life back together. She's from – her and Amy are from this, like, big Hispanic family – um, and so this is like a point where all the family comes in and is like all hands on deck helping helping out Olive because she's going through a breakup and she lost her job. And so they like one of the family members, her uncle, I guess, has a restaurant. So she gets a job waitressing As in a, a restaurant. She has multiple restaurants right. and she gets the fancy restaurant. So yeah. uh, from experience, I can tell you she's probably making bank there. For a restaurant where she has to have training from a sommelier, she's making bank. I right. promise. And she's so. like, she's like, hey, I'm actually kind of enjoying this more than I thought. And like, you know, things are, she's like not doing great, but she's like, she's doing okay. Yeah. She's like walking dogs at the Humane Society, which was very cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she's like taking time for herself. And she's like, this is kind of the first time in a while, like, I've found who I want to be. And I want to find this. Hold on. I want to find the specific line in a, this book. Uh, where is it? Anyway, I can't find the specific line, but in the book at some point, while she's kind of rediscovering herself as she's, you know, serving and taking this time to kind of figure out what she likes to do, she's like, nobody ever knew really what I did because I didn't talk about my job. It wasn't who I was. It was just something I did. And I found that really funny because this is conversations that we, Katie and I have a lot of mm-hmm. like, our jobs are so ingrained of who we are at times that sometimes we really do just want jobs that are just jobs. And right, right. I found that to be a very interesting little tidbit in this book of like, you know, not endorsing your job being who you are because Olive's kind of figuring out like, no, I really do want a job that I love. Like I was kind of doing this job and I liked parts of it, but like mostly it was just paying the bills and, you know, it was kind of boring at times, but it was secure. And why shouldn't I have a job that is who I am? And I don't know. I just found it really interesting as I was reading at this point because we have conversations like that so often of like, and I have conversations about it like that with like my fiance where we're both kind of pretty ingrained in our jobs. And like sometimes it really would be nice to just have a clock in, clock out job. And, you know, it's kind of one of those like grass is greener wherever you look. <laughs> That's literally what I was about to say, like word for word. Like I, because I, yeah. I, I know because of where Ryan works and like who a lot of his friends are, they they all work in sort of, you know, quote unquote normal jobs. Yeah. You know, like normal, like punch a clock, sit at a desk, like not, none of it has anything to do with like your identity or personality necessarily. And I do think it's a grass is always greener thing because, you know, I've heard similar things from those people, like the conversations that we have. So yeah, I think I think the ideal is something in between, but I don't know if that exists. I don't either. Like I was trying to think of what is the 
ideal version of like what we do as journalists. And like, I feel very lucky in that mine is a little bit more clock in and clock out. And mine is a little bit more structured because Mm -hmm. of what I do. And, but then I have other friends who are very much like, no, 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 you're on call kind of all the time, especially our friends that work in like politics right now and things like that. And like, yeah, they love it. And I, I'm happy for them, but also like, yeah, you know, I I feel closer to a happy medium, but also so much of my job is also in- intertwined with like how my mental health is and like how mm-hmm. do you write when you're not doing very well? And like that's not a job that you can like force all the time. I had this like a couple weeks ago when I was trying to finish a project and I was just like going through it a little bit. And so I, it, I don't know. It, the, I, I don't know what the happy medium is, but it it. it that really stuck out to me reading this book this time of like, you know, she was talking about how Ethan like loves his job and is really excited about it. And he has like some kind of like mathy job or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it is. And he, even his job is like, you know, it, his, his probably is kind of a clock in clock out. He just like enjoys his day. But I don't know. It, it, it was just really interesting and something that jumped out at me today. And especially as we've talked about a lot i've talked about a lot with austin whose job definitely bleeds into his personal life and so yeah um anyway yeah that's that's interesting insight i don't think i uh clocked that quote necessarily so i'm glad you brought that up but but it is interesting um so moral of the story is olive is having more fun than she thought she would um as a waitress which is great yeah um i i do love and I've read a couple of books that are like this where it's like woman quits high power job to go to quote unquote lesser job and lesser job is actually fulfilling. Yes. Um and 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 I like that a lot. Um it's it's a nice like contrast to I feel like a lot of the stories that we do get. Except in Happy Place it made us very uncomfy. So Yeah. I think that one made me uncomfortable just because of how much school she had to go to. I know, and how much debt and et cetera. And yeah. I'm very, very, very happy for Harriet and I hope she is because honestly, that sounds like a dream. You quit and go live in Minnesota Mi- Minnesota. Minnesota. And I think it was Montana. Out. Montana. Oh my yeah. god. This one's in Minnesota. Yes. This one is in Minnesota. A yeah. different M state. Yeah. But quitting your job. That is very stressful to go live in Montana with your hot fiance who makes $60,000 tables and you get to go run a pottery studio. That sounds great. Yeah, sounds that lovely. sounds great. The uh, the doing that after med school and med school de- debt is what stresses me out, but it's not my life. It's not my life. But yes, that sent us into a tailspin. But Yes. Olive's enjoying waitressing. She's missing Ethan, but she's okay. Um, she's really missing Amy. She's really missing Amy because the two of them have not spoken really since Olive tried to be like, yo, um, your Dane husband sucks. sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've like texted a little bit, but they haven't talked on the phone. They haven't seen each other and it's been like weeks. And then Amy calls her out of the blue and Olive's like, oh shit, she hasn't called me since this all went down. Like something, something is happening. Yeah. Um, and something is happening because – Amy went through Dane's phone. Dane left the house without his phone. And I'm like, cheaters are so stupid. <laughs> cheaters. Look at Scandaval. Cheaters exactly. are stupid. Cheaters, cheaters are, stupid. are stupid. Don't leave the evidence on your phone. Oh, my God. Cheaters um, are dumb. Yeah. But so he left his phone. Yeah. He left his phone behind. And she goes through it um, and finds 
the names of all these women. And then she like shares the contacts of those women with herself Mm -hmm. uh, and calls them all up. (laughs) Yep. And so she invites Olive over and to eat lasagna and watch a movie, which also sounds great. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they make up. Uh, There's a very funny moment where Dane comes home while Olive is there and says, oh, hey, Olive. And she just goes, go to hell, Dane. And that's (laughs) it. Um, Love that. Yeah. So, and then uh, the women start arriving. Yeah, all so, of Dan's mistresses, who not none of them knew that he was married, and they yes. are all like, "Fuck you, Dane," and like apologizing to Amy, and they're like, "We had no idea." Um, it's all very funny. Yes, one of them. So there's two. There's two out of the three. He was seeing like three women. We meet mm-hmm. two of them very briefly. The first one shows up and is like. We slept together like last week. What are you talking about? And then she leaves. She's upset, which like I would be upset too if I found out I was somebody's side piece and I had no totally, idea. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then this- the second one is like we haven't been together in months or whatever, but it was months ago. So Yeah. And Dane's still like cheating. Fucking, yeah. Dane's crying on the porch and she looks at him and she goes, I hope she leaves you. And then yeah. leaves. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Amazing. Uh, Ethan shows up. Olive is like, take Dane with you. I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm still mm-hmm. very upset that you didn't believe me. Ethan's like, I fucked up. I should have believed her. And Olive's like, we're gonna, we're gonna have sister time. We're gonna go. Yeah. And so, so they're doing damage control. The large Hispanic family and friends who are sort of extended family come together and um, shower Amy with uh, love and affection, which is very nice. Um, and then some days later, uh, Olive is at work at her fancy restaurant, and her former boss for one day is there with his wife, and his wife is like, well, if you hadn't fired her, da, 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 like know. clearly does not approve of this. Um, but The voice of reason. Exactly. But she very kindly asks them to move to a different section so that she doesn't have to serve them, which is very nice, very mature. Everyone handles it very well. Um, Except Mr. Hamilton at one point, she was like, if it'd make you more comfortable, we can have you moved. And he's like, oh, I'm fine if you are. And then the wife's like, no, she doesn't want to serve you because you were a jerk. I'm like, right. yeah, thank you. Yes. And then after that, he's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Sense. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, and then who is sitting at that same table but Ethan wearing a little wearing a Hawaiian shirt, right? And then yes. he has like a drink and a little sign that says dollar ninety nine my my ties. It's it's he has a like a cheap plastic cup that has a dollar ninety nine sticker on it, is mm-hmm. what it is. Like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So some two dollars a two dollar my tie cup. And yeah. he apologizes and Everyone, everyone in the restaurant stands up and claps because it's all her entire fucking family. Instead, right. they there's a side where it's like her dad and so, or somebody else was in the corner wearing wigs. Like everyone was just there <laughs> undercover, disguised, to, yeah, to see this happen. Yeah, so they're back together happily ever after, and then we get an epilogue, which Christina Lauren knows how to write an epilogue always. Yes, um, it's from and- Ethan's point of view. From Ethan's point of view, they're going back to Maui, this time with Amy and her new boyfriend, who is friends with Ethan, Mm -hmm. who is a doctor. 
um, and has given Ethan some very good drugs for <laughs> for the plane ride. They're going back to Maui, and Ethan tries to propose <laughs> on the beach. And Olive is like, how lame would it be if you proposed on the beach oh. right now? <laughs> and he's and like, like, I oh. wasn't gonna. <laughs> so then she basically proposes to him. And it's 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 like a ruined proposal that's all very sweet. Yes, it's very cute. It's, it's yeah, it's proposals after I got proposed to where mine was just like, I was a maniac. I was a monster. <laughs> now it's kind of like. It almost to me felt like a check mark of like, okay, it's done. We're done. So yeah. I was like, it's nice to see representation of a proposal that doesn't, not that mine went badly, but I was such a monster that I You like tried at every corner to sabotage it without, <laughs> without fully realizing that that's what you were doing. I'm really good at sabotaging my own surprises, whether I mean to or not. But, you know, it it feels nice to get it over with in yeah. some ways. So I vividly I, remember at one point being, being like, stop asking me things <laughs> yeah well you know stop saying things to me um part of it is austin's fault we'll, we'll tell <laughs> yes, that story someday that's, that's a story for another time yeah someday um, but whatever but, okay so we just learned today that there is a mini sequel to this book um that is audio only yeah it's called The Honeymoon Crashers, and it's coming out in August of this year. Um, and from – I was trying to do some research into whether it was going to be one of those, like, Audible – like, you know how Audible has, like, mm-hmm. exclusive whatever. So I went on the Simon & Schuster website, and it looks like it's not just Audible. Don't quote me on that, but it looks like it's just only available in audiobook form, but on multiple audiobook platforms. Okay, this this was good timing on our part. Look I know because it's it's listed on Libro, which is my audiobook platform of choice because uh, it gives money to your local indie. But I will be pre-ordering it. The Goodreads description that I read had it as like Unhoneymooners one point five, so mm-hmm. it's like a shorter sequel. I think they said the runtime is like four hours. Um, yeah, four hours, 47 minutes, which like an average audiobook is like between eight and 10 yeah. hours. So. And it's got, it's, you know, it's got two leads. It's got Harry Shum Jr. from <laughs> Baby Best Known from Glee. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But he's gotten some steady work lately. I'm happy for him. Um, right. And then it's about Amy and the best man as they're planning Olive's wedding. So Olive and Ethan's wedding. So I guess things did not work out between Amy and her doctor man, which kind of bums me out. But I know. know. Yeah. So it's at Olive and Ethan's wedding. Ethan's best man named Brody lives in Maui and they hit it off apparently. But I'm really excited for this audiobook because it's got a full cast. Mm -hmm. Um, Like so there's so it's like a full production, which I haven't listened to that many of, but I recently used some of my Libro credits to buy the full cast version of the first Akatar book, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Um, and I listened to a few minutes of it. I haven't like committed to like listening, listening, but mm-hmm. it's really cool with like the full cast and production and stuff and like different voices and all of that. So I'm, I, I'm really excited to see that in like a romance novel format. Yeah, that'll be fun because I haven't done one. I mean, I've barely done audiobooks at all. And when I have, it's been Julia Whalen who just, you know, does all the voices herself. So it'll be it'll be fun to do because I'll definitely do this one for sure. 
it'll be yeah. fun to do one with like a full cast of you know like a yeah like you said like a full full production for mm-hmm. a romance novel that'll be fun. yeah I'm excited. So we we shared some of our our reread thoughts already, but overall thoughts upon a second reading. Do, does it does it hold up? I mean, it certainly holds up, but for me most Christina Lauren novels hold up even mm-hmm. even when they don't hold up. Like my favorite Half Night Stand, which I am on record saying I really enjoy. When I reread it, I was like, "Ooh, this is shadier than I think <laughs> about it now." Cuz I've also said on this podcast we both don't like a catfishing. Uh, right. And that whole book is based around catfishing, but I still enjoy reading that book. But upon second and third reads, I'm like, this is shadier than I mm-hmm. gave it credit for in the beginning. Um, so, like, even when they hold up, or even when they don't hold up, they still hold up, if right. that makes sense. So, I, I didn't feel quite the same way as I did about my favorite Half Night Stand on a reread. But some parts of this where I was like, I'm more worked up than I was the first time I read it. <laughs> yeah, there, there, you know, this book was early on in both of our like contemporary romance reading journeys. So I think I'll always, I think it'll always be like up there for me. But I think like if I'm like, this may not be as toward the top of my list as it once was, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say there's anything bad about it, but I've just, I'm more widely read now. So, right, right. Like some things in this book that I either like didn't notice or didn't think about the first time, the second time, or this time at least, I was like, oh, now I've read a lot more of these. And now, you know, this is sticking out to me more. Like some of the, some of the things that, like you wouldn't believe like her boss and his ex-fiance being there at the right. same time like that's right. the the odds of that are astronomical they live in minnesota why would they all be at the same resort in maui <laughs> there's a lot of resorts in maui and maybe closer to minnesota perhaps <laughs> like, go to cabo like perhaps. that's not an eight-hour flight it's away yeah cancun yeah i don't know um yeah yeah i think i think one thing that holds up really well, which I think is one of the reasons that this was one of my favorites is that I, I, you know, I'm all about a male lead and I really mm-hmm. like Ethan as a male lead. I, I find him very charming. I do too. Um, and I like when I can like picture the man as being very handsome, which is, is harder in some books than others. Um, but in this one I can. So, mm, yeah. Um, so I really like him and I like Olive uh, and I like all the characters. So, um, the one thing that really stood out to me this time that I I didn't think about the first time is we don't get a lot of Amy and Olive's relationship before they leave. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of almost hard to buy at points like how close they are. Because um, really when we first meet Amy, she's kind of obnoxious. And I don't hold it against her because we literally meet her at her wedding um, right. where maybe nobody's at their like best self. I don't know. So... You know, I'm not going to like hold it against her, but we didn't really get a good sense of how close they are as twin sisters. We kind of just get like, oh, Amy's bossy and in charge and is throwing this really tacky wedding. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we're in Maui and then they come back and it's, you know, I think we got more of it at the end. And I think that was helpful. Like when we when they, you know, they're sitting on the couch eating lasagna and uh, Olive moves in with Amy at the end and you kind of get it then. But I think in the beginning, it would have been nice to have at least like one good 
sappy sister moment, I guess, to really like, hey, these people are close. They're not just like they're they're genuinely close, not like obnoxious giant family. We have to be close, close. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yes. Yeah. I I completely agree with you. Um, so that's another reason that I'm really glad that we're getting this follow-up book because um then we will get to know Amy a little better, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited for this audiobook. And also, yeah, great timing on our part. We had no idea about this until this morning. I know. So yeah. We picked a good reread. <laughs> yeah, we totally did this on purpose. Yeah, totally. We are, we have all the insights on the romance genre. Exactly. Christina Lauren, they called us personally to let us know. They so. did indeed. Yeah. Wait, I have a question for you, Abigail. Mm-hmm. So as we know, Christina Lauren are two best friends who write together. Would we be Katie Abigail or Abigail Katie? <laughs> Abigail sounds like more of a first name and not a last name. Katie could be a last name. Yeah. I think it would have to be Abigail Katie. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. that's also my brain where everything wants to be in alphabetical order. <laughs> so, See, my but- brain was trying to put it where the longer name was second because mm. for some reason that's... I always assume last names are longer than first names, which is obviously not true. Ooh, I think it would have to be Abigail Katie. That one sounds more like a full name in my head. But. Sounds more like an author than, yeah. than yeah. Katie Abigail. Well, stay tuned for our debut as <laughs> Abigail Katie. <laughs> we have had the conversation on, on if we could do this, and I do genuinely think we could. I think we could. Maybe when we both have fewer jobs. Right. I mean, could we do it now? No. We have too many jobs as it is. <laughs> no. Could we, could we do it and not yeah. kill each other? Yes. Yeah. We have developed enough of a good working relationship on top of our friendship we would not murder each other and i think it would probably be a really interesting creative exercise too simply because you and i have pretty like distinct writing style like voices Mm. um that i think are complementary but but distinct um which i think would be really interesting to like see how those things would like go together yeah i would love to see like how I would love to talk to multiple groups of people who do this, like Christina Lauren, like um, oh, the married couple that who oh, wrote yeah. Strap. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. There's our dual perspective to where it makes sense where it's split. Like, I don't know if that's how they do it, but that's how I imagine they do it. Like one writes the male perspective, right. one writes the female perspective. Christina Lauren's are usually one perspective. So I would be really curious to see like how they do it. Like if they just trade pages back and forth, like chapter by chapter, or if they all just kind of like work in one google doc and it's just absolute chaos for a time like i don't know i'd be really curious to see how writing partnerships yeah i feel like logistically the only way it would work is is if you were like okay i'll try my hand at this section you do the next section and Mm -hmm. then let's swap and add notes yeah i don't know it could that's how that's how we write our podcast scripts we 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 take turns like that like at at my at my full-time real job mm-hmm. that's i'm like okay i'll do episode one you do episode two and then let's trade mm. um so i don't know but I, I, Lauren, I would also be curious yeah. yeah please come tell us how you do it please that would be great yeah. <laughs> well um well what are you reading right now we're both well, we're both out of our slump yeah we are certainly out of our slump and the- have boomeranged in the other direction oh. <laughs> After finishing, at, when I was reading Unhoneymooners, I was in the middle of four books, which I don't stack 
reads on top of each other. I can't focus. Um, so yeah, that's a normal thing for me. That's not a normal thing for it's you. Very abnormal for me. So I started every summer after while I was on the plane to France, um, and I thought I think I maybe got a hundred pages into it, and then while I was in France, as I've established, had no free time, so I didn't get to read. Um, but while I was there, we spent a lot of time on buses, and so. Mm which was also something I didn't expect. But while we were on buses, you know, like people were talking and whatnot. So, but the day we did all of the D-Day things, um, we went to a museum and I picked up Mouse by Art Spiegelman, which has been on my TBR like for fucking ever. Um, it's a graphic novel for those not familiar. It won the Pulitzer in the 90s. Um, and it's about Art Spiegelman's dad, who's a Holocaust survivor. I've read parts of it. I took this class about comic books when I was in school and I loved that class. At one point in my life, I wanted to be a cartoonist and unfortunately I can't draw, but I did put work into trying to figure out how to do it. This is when I was really young, but I've read a lot of graphic novels. And so I'm in the middle of, I started reading mouse on the bus ride back, which was like two hours. So I'm like halfway through that. Um, and then <laughs> when I was in Paris, I picked up, a British copy of Order of the Phoenix, and I'm like 300 pages into that. So I gotta, I'm in the middle of all of these. So I am very much enjoying every summer after right now, um, or when I can pick it back up. I was very into it when I was reading it and then, you know, had to get off the plane and whatnot. But I'm yeah, very excited. I'm glad to you're liking one. it. I yeah. am liking it. Um, you know, the TikTokers were right and et cetera. So they were indeed. I, I'm hoping I can just pick it back up. I think I can, and I won't have to start it over again because now it's you know been a little while since I was reading it. But um, yeah, excited to. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe I'll finish Order of the Phoenix, or maybe I'll just let those three hundred pages lie. I too am. I was just checking. Um, I'm like I own all the Harry Potter audiobooks, and so I'm always in a constant state of re-listening. Just if I'm like cleaning the house or whatever and I don't I'm like I don't feel like listening to this like memoir or whatever that's kind of heavy like let me just put on Harry Potter so I too am reading Order of the Phoenix but I have been reading Order of the Phoenix since like November (laughs) because I just I'll listen to like you know 10 minutes of it a week (laughs) right so um, it's been a while since I've reread a Harry Potter so I don't know I just was on the plane and I had to pack that one in my backpack because it was like fucking five inches thick giant uh, yeah yeah i it wasn't my smartest purchase perhaps but eh, it was yeah it was worth it um, i i also would have i've always wanted like a foreign set of harry potter books so i would probably bought at least one of them also yeah i get lucky and i feel like every time i go to my favorite used bookstore in denton texas recycle books usually there's a british edition of the paperback. So I think I have four out of seven at this point. I need to take stock. Um, cause I think I have the first three and then maybe I have deathly hollows. Mm. I don't know. I need, I needed it. I've, I've been trying to like pick them up steadily. I, I could put more effort into it and truly finish. It's not that hard. Uh, but, but this one I bought in France. So, you know, uh, whatever. It's more special. Yeah. So I bought a book in San Diego, despite the fact that I brought multiple books because I went to Meet Cute, the romance bookstore in San Diego, which was lovely as expected and was in like a really fun neighborhood where there were like lots of fun things to walk to, shops and restaurants and a brewery and another used bookstore that also reminded me of recycled books. Um, But it was 
I had a really nice day, but I picked up this book called The Book Proposal, which is a rom-com, which I did not really like it. Mm. Um, I'm very 50-50 on it. I liked it enough to finish it, but mm-hmm. at the end I was like, eh. So it was a book. It was very funny, which I think is what kept me reading. Like the author is clearly a very funny person because a lot of the dialogue, like there were several things that I like legit laughed out loud. So mm. it was charming. I finished it in like a day. So it was good. Um but then I'm also reading – what else am I reading? Oh, I just like literally this morning picked up The Inheritances of Orchidia Divina, which I've had on my shelf for forever. And I don't know why. I was just looking at my shelf this morning and I was like, that's the one I want. Um, so I'm like 50 pages into that. I did just finish The Collected Regrets of Clover, which was my book of the month in – May. I finished it last night and I fucking cried so hard, dude. That book is so heavy. But like like happy heavy. Yeah. Um it's like um it's like the emotional equivalent of Ted Lasso, where you're like, this is really uplifting, but I feel a lot of things happening inside of me right now. (laughs) This is the one about the death doula, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel um just generally emotionally fragile since uh, You're Losing Me came out. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like I, I would, have to tamper on my expectations for emotion right now. Yeah, wait wait on I, – I do really, really want you to read this book because I really yeah. loved it. But it did – like I, I was even kind of like this morning kind of fucked up after like finishing the book because it was just like – it was Ugh. a lot. Yeah. Um, but it was really, really, really good. I couldn't I could probably do well after I finish every summer after. I gotta like maybe I should finish Mouse, which is very fucking heavy. Right. For obvious reasons. And then every summer after. And then I can do another heavy. So right. yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll be my plan. And and we're coming into prime pool reading season. I That's am true. so fucking pumped. So my reading is about to increase probably exponentially because what do you do when it's a million degrees besides sit by the pool and read? That's yeah. kind of all I did last summer. So yeah, um, I'm already in that. I've read like four books in the past week, so I'm already I'm already there. Yeah, I'm also listening to Beach Read, which is lovely. Instead oh. of rereading it, I decided to listen to it. Um, so I'm like kind of poking away at that, like very slowly. Um, I I downloaded it because I had to have some dental work done and I needed something calming to listen to during the dental work. And it worked. It was actually like the perfect thing to listen to. Um, So recommend. Um, And then I'm finally, since I will be officially done with classes like starting this week, um, I'm done with teaching until July. I have a month free which means my reward is finally reading the last Akatar book, A Court of Silver Flames. Oh, boy. Um, so I'm going to dive into that. I've been saving it um, because I know I'm going to hyperfixate on it and only yep. do that for a few days. So after I get back from my New Orleans trip, that's what I'm doing. Woof. I know. We get a, we get I've got lot. eight books going right now. Ah! Because I have a few others that I'm just kind of like very slowly plugging away at, like some, some like I'm uh, rereading Anne Helen Peterson's Can't Even. Um, so there are a few that I'm just like kind of very slowly poking at. Um, yeah, just but yeah, it away at them. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For when Can I'm we- in the mood, because Can't Even is like really stressful. Like a book about burnout is very stressful to listen to, but it's yeah. very good. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. You know, we're we're at, we're in our prime right now. So yes, or we're about Final- to be. Once the sun finally. finally comes out, it's been really rainy lately, and I'm just really itching for a pool day, except we haven't had the weather for it lately, which is really funny. Um, I know. It's annoying. I'm yeah. hoping it means summer will be relatively mild, though, because we've had a mild spring. So I'm hoping so, too, and it seems like it's pointing in that direction, knock on wood, but, you know. Who gonna... fucking knows? Who can ever tell? So. Um. Anyway, we will... Uh, not see you guys you will hear us we won't Mm -hmm. see you hopefully you're there um but we'll talk (laughs) to y'all next time i suppose yep we have another reread coming up soon that we'll post a date for when we do um it happened one summer with our respective men folk um ryan took it happened one summer on the plane and was openly reading it on the plane i am so proud i know i was like this is a man who is secure in his masculinity. I got to get Austin's copy, um, and I think I'm going to try and make him, like, highlight it and stuff. So we'll see if he does it. Um, I yeah. have hardly ever seen this man read a book, so this will be a fun exercise. Ryan's a reader, and he's a close reader, which is why he's, like, kind of – he's, like, the slowest reader I know, but I don't mean that in a bad way. He, like, reads things yeah. very, very closely. Um so Austin brought one book on the book. He he did more boat reading than I did. I got mad. Um, <laughs> but his book was, of course, about like hospitality. So <laughs> what a you nerd. know, I know he was a nerd. He was basically studying. So yeah, whatever. But we'll have whatever. that coming up soon and some other fun summer stuff. But but yeah, thanks for joining us for a reread. This was really fun. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a reread for y'all. Maybe maybe it was yeah. the first time. So yeah, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>